0: You know, um, the curse of our times is the urgent. I, I know you feel this because you live in the same world that I do. The immediate. Getting through another day. Now, right now is the most important moment. We live in impulsive and compulsive times with the shortest attention span probably in history. Douglas Rushkoff said it like this. Our society has reoriented itself to the present moment. Everything is live. Everything is real time. Everything is always on, never closed, never off. It's more of a diminishment of anything that isn't happening right now. You feel that urgency in our society. Fads used to come and go in years. Now they last a few weeks. I I was just joking with somebody when... Uh, Charmaine was leading worship and said this is kind of an old song and I looked over and said you know what that means It's three years old. It's an old song. It's probably older than that But how many of you remember songs used to last 80 and 100 years, right? We would have been a little book. You can't put songs in a book anymore. By the time you print it, it's gone Song's over Fads used to come and go in years now they're weeks. So we've become consumers of the now What you lose when you're constantly overwhelmed by the urgency of now, though, is the future. You lose the ability to dream. You and I are are living in times where we're in a vision crisis as a culture because we're constantly being forced to focus on right now. Right now. Danny Hillis is a computer engineer and inventor who thinks people should think more about the long term. In fact, they've uh, created a foundation called the Long Now Foundation. He's so convinced that people should think more about the future, he's designed a 10,000-year clock. The clock will tick once a year. The century hand will advance every 100 years. And the cuckoo will come out every millennium. You believe this? So he wants every 1,000 years for 10,000 years for the cuckoo to come out. Crow or whatever they do. Danny hopes by building this clock, he'll inspire people to think about the future. Now this clock is more than a dream. It's it's actually a reality. I've got a short little three-minute video I want to show you on Danny and the clock. Go ahead.
1: I wanted a symbol of the future in the same way that, say, the pyramids are a symbol of the past. I wanted to build something that gave us that sense of connection. And that's how I started thinking about the clock. My name is Danny Hillis, and I'm building a clock that will last for 10,000 years. When I had been a kid, the future had been out in the year of 2000. Even when it got to be in the 1990s, we were still sort of just imagining what the year 2000 would be like. It was almost as if the future had been shrinking my entire life. Danny Hillis sent around an email that he wanted to build a clock that would last 10,000 years. What? 10,000 year clock? Why? Danny had been building some of the fastest supercomputers in the world. He was pretty much the golden boy of MIT. Everybody wanted to do things faster and faster and faster. I needed to slow down, stretch out, think on a different time scale. Any engineer, of course, wants to build something that lasts, but that doesn't mean it's easy to build. How do you make rolling elements that last for 10,000 years? The clock is built out of gears and levers and things that Galileo would have understood. One of the ways we keep the clock accurate is to synchronize it to the sun. That requires a lens like this big around out of quartz. Then, exactly at solar noon, the chimes begin to play. The chime generator was developed by Brian Eno. They worked out a way of ringing 10 bells in a different sequence each day for 10,000 years. From the very beginning, I wanted to be able to make a little model of the clock, an original prototype clock, and then make a bigger one, and make a bigger one, and make a bigger one. I realized that the clock couldn't go into a building. It had to be in a mountain. In trying to design a 10,000-year clock, we're invested in generational thinking and hoping to kind of answer the question, are we being good ancestors? There is a problem of people not believing in the future. A long-term clock challenges those short-term civilizational stories. I'm very optimistic about the future. I'm not optimistic because I think our problems are small. I'm optimistic because I think our capacity to deal with problems are great.
0: guys are thinking. And here's why. It's a whole different mindset. This idea of thinking long isn't new. It's consistent with God's view of time. Psalm 94 says, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. First Chronicles 16, 15 says, he remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand years generations you see time is god's canvas he's chosen to reveal himself through history in epic chunks of time god revealed the concept of the messiah hundreds of years before jesus ever arrived on the earth why did god take centuries if god had the answer and knew the answer why did god take centuries to send jesus to the earth Because God thinks long, and He speaks long, and He reveals Himself over time, and our generation only has one piece of the puzzle. In Exodus 34, 6, and 7, God reminds us that sin can affect families to the third and fourth generation. In other words, your actions today can have a direct impact on great-grandchildren, which you may never meet. That's the long view. And we also, as believers, should take the long view because our ultimate destiny as God's people will outlast time into eternity. That's the long view. So, what about you? 2018 feels pretty small now, doesn't it? (laughs) Where are you headed? What's gonna happen this year? What's life gonna look like in 10 years? God willing, I have about 20 years left to pastor. wonder what's going to happen in those 20 years. I wonder who's going to come find faith in Christ and who's going to grow and whose marriage may be recovered and whose family may be healed and what, which individuals may find a new destiny. What challenges are being faced today that within that 20-year span, God will have completely erased? wonder what that 20 years is going to be like. We have to start thinking long, not what's going to happen next Sunday, how do I find another person to volunteer serving this, what's Scrooge going to be like in 2018, or how many people are we going to reach Easter, we need to be thinking about what's our church going to look like when it doubles, how many churches are we going to have to plant in Shelby County to effectively touch this county? What are the greatest needs in our community? And how can we put the resources of this church behind it to affect it across generations? That's what we have to begin to think. How many of you were at our Christmas Eve service? How many of you are at the Christmas Eve service? It was, it was, um, I love it. Probably my favorite service of the year. We have this uh, point in the service, you can go ahead and put the picture up. We had a little couch and chair here and a Christmas tree. Maybe you can uh, get a little look at that. We put it on Facebook. Where I sat and told a Christmas story to uh, all the children in our church. And we had about a hundred kids that came and filled this space. And it was a moment of pure joy and awe. And as I sat there and looked in the bright little faces of all these little kids, the question that filled my soul is, what kind of church are we going to leave to them? And I begin to wonder, is the next pastor of Kingwood Church sitting on this stage looking at me now? I don't know. Maybe. What's the the long view? What's the long view? I do know this. God wants to do more in your life than you think. But He will take longer than you know. He wants to do more in your life than you think, but it won't happen in this moment, or this weekend, or next month. It It will probably take most of your life for Him to fully do everything He wants to do. Do you know that God has a dream for you? About two and a half years ago, God started a powerful work of spiritual renewal in our church and we've seen deeper engagement in prayer and we've seen uh, the work of the Holy Spirit and, and more engagement in worship and more people reaching out. We've seen more life groups raise. We've just seen a lot of incredible things in this time of spiritual renewal. But here's the thing. We're now at the stage of spiritual renewal where it's time to dream again. That's what this series has come from, God dreams. There is a stage, there is a point, there is a moment in renewal where it's time to dream again. There is a time where the Spirit moves and breathes new life and re-engages and all that, but then there comes a moment where it's time to dream again. We're going to spend the next year in Kingwood Church trying to figure out what is God's dream for Kingwood Church. And I want to invite you in on the journey. If you're here, it means that God's dream for Kingwood Church and God's dream for you overlap. Do you believe God leaves anybody out? I don't believe God leaves anybody out. One dream can't be fulfilled without the other. This church's dream, the dream God has for this church, can't happen without you. And the dream that God has for you can't happen without this church. They are connected So if God's word to Kingwood Church is, it's time to dream again, then God's word to you is, it's time to dream again. So it's critical that in 2018, you find God's dream for your life if you don't know what it is. So you and I aren't just randomly floating through life, colliding around into good and bad things, and God's just making the best out of it that He can. That's not what life is. Without a dream, our lives just become like a glass of water poured out. If I just took a whole bucket of water and poured it out and it just ran everywhere across these steps, without a dream, that's how we live our life. We just run here and there and everywhere. Respond to the next thing. But when you have a God dream, you are like a white water river channeled by boundaries focused on the destination God has you to go on. If God has a dream for your life, how do you find it? What does it look like? How will you walk in it? That's what we're going to talk about this whole month. So today I want to remind you the story of Noah in Genesis chapter 6. I want to read together starting at verse 5 and look look at the context, look at the scene, look at what was going on when God gave Noah a dream. We're going to look at the beginning of the story and then the end of the story and then we're going to come back and look at the middle. So let's read it. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart were only evil all the time. You think you live in a bad neighborhood. Look at this. The inclinations of the human heart were evil all the time. They never took a break from evil. They didn't have any time off. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created and with them the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground for I regret that I have made them. This does not sound like a God dream. It sounds like a nightmare. But I I got a good word for you today. Sometimes God dreams show up in the middle of nightmares so some of you this morning might be living in a nightmare you might be living in some of the worst circumstances you could imagine you might not be excited at all that it's a new year but I got a good word for you today God's dreams aren't limited to your circumstances and so today sometimes God's best dreams break out right in the middle of the worst times So when we go through this series, you're not eliminated. This isn't for people just whose life's going well. God has a dream for everybody. So it doesn't matter what you're going through. This is the account of Noah and his family. I'm sorry, verse 8. But Noah, you know I love that conjunction right there. This is how everything was and this is how bad it was. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. If you got something to write with this morning, let me give you a few thoughts about God's dream in your life from the story of Noah. Number one, God gives His dreams to people who walk with Him. God gives His dreams to people who walk with Him. You can't just go do your own thing And live God's dream at the same time. Now there's at least two reasons for that. First, I don't know if you've noticed this or not. But I think that we we tend to tell young people the dumbest thing. And I really wish we'd stop. We look at their little faces and we say to them. In their optimistic, youthful naivety. You can be anything you want to be. If you dream it, you can achieve it. I'm calling foul. Absolute hogwash. No, you can't be anything you want to be. Why don't you go ahead and be LeBron James then? Never mind you're five, six and uncoordinated. Go ahead and be LeBron James. That's the dumbest thing we can ever say to anybody. You can be anything you want to be. Why don't you be Tom Brady? You don't even know what a football looks like. Or Bill Gates. Don't even know how to turn a computer on. Just go and be anything you want to be. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Which is the reason that I'll tell you the movie that I hate the most. You ever seen the movie Rudy? It's about the little kid that wanted to play Notre Dame football. It was a, his dream. I, the whole movie, I've got this anxiety and this sick feeling building up in my stomach that this, is, this isn't going to turn out the way that it should. And I watch the movie, and he becomes a tackling dummy for these big guys. You know, they're throwing him around. And his dream was to play Notre Dame football. And he got kicked off the team. He's the water boy. And they wouldn't let him on. All these discouraging, discouraging things. But finally, 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 his senior year, because he'd been like hit in the face with a helmet so many times, everybody, everybody, he had earned the team's respect when there was no hope of possibly losing the game. In other words, this little kid couldn't mess it up so bad that it would ruin anything. They put him in, gave him a little platitude, and put him in for about 27 seconds, maybe one play, I don't know. And the movie's like, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. I hate that movie. Rudy, me? And they say, yeah, but they respected him. I don't want to be respected, I want to be effective. I want to know what I was made to do. That kid was not made to be a football player. And I'm wondering, who are the people in his life that wouldn't put their arm around him and say, Son, you have incredible perseverance. If you'll put it in something you're good at, you'll be incredible. But football is not it. I got good news for you. You can't be anything you want to be, but you can be everything God wants you to be. That's good news. God made you and he gave you strengths and he gave you abilities And he'll never give you a dream that he hasn't made you to fulfill. Now the other reason that I I think you can't just do your own thing and fulfill God's dream for your life. Is look, it's perfectly fine for you to make up any dream you want to do. And it's perfectly fine for you to do anything with your life that you want to do. Unless you're a Christian. Now, if you're a Christian, that changes everything. When you surrendered your life to Jesus, you gave up the right to do whatever you want with your life. You surrendered that. Surrendering your life to Jesus means surrendering to the dream that he has for you. Now, how do we find that dream? God gives his dreams to people who walk with him. Of all the people on earth, When the Bible says that all of humanity was evil all the time, who did God give his dream to? Was it somebody that was, you know, out there uh, doing their own thing? Was it somebody that was ignoring God? No. It was the man who found favor with God, who walked with God. He gave him a dream to build a boat to save humanity. Now, He gave that dream to the person who walked with him. Here's good news for you and I today. You don't have to stress. You don't have to panic. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live in anxiety that, oh, no, God's got this big dream for my life, and I'm going to miss it. How am I going to figure this out? Walk with God. And you will walk directly into the dream. You can't miss it if you walk with God. Let me give you a great way you can do that. For the next 21 days, we're going to be praying and fasting. And I want to encourage you from the bottom of my heart, for 21 days, walk with God. It takes three weeks to start a new habit. For those of you who don't have a regular devotional life, tomorrow's a great time to start. We've got scriptures laid out for you. It doesn't take an awful long time. It's more important for you to do it every day than it is to do it a lot or a long time. Just start. I'm glad he didn't say run with God. I can't keep up. My legs are too short. Walk with God. You don't have to be in a hurry. You don't have to panic. You just walk with God, and I promise you, you're going to walk straight into the dream he has for you. Number two, God fulfills, God dreams fill our lives with God purposes. The way you know the difference in a God dream and a good idea is it's filled with God's purposes. A good idea will fill you with excitement. A good idea will get your creative juices flowing. I mean, isn't that what Pinterest is all about? Just pages and pages and millions of pages of ideas? But a God dream will fill you with His purposes. Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. Now let's go to the end of the story. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. See, this is the end of the story. The water has dried up. The ark is on dry ground. The people and all the animals have been let out of the boat and they're back on dry ground and the whole judgment of God is over and God looks at them and says something we've heard before. Be fruitful and multiply. It's the very same thing he said in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. God looks at Adam and Eve, the first two humans on earth and he says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it God's purposes do not change from generation to generation they are the same and you will know when you are filling following a God dream because God's purposes will be in it and they won't change when you follow the dream God has for you it will fill your mind with eternal things see God was intent from the beginning on establishing the people of God for his own glory. And he he, he created Adam and Eve and then wiped out humanity except Noah and his family and the same command that was at the beginning is the same command that's there now. And that is be fruitful and multiply because God's eternal purpose of building the people of God for his own glory is still on the table. A good idea is often rooted in immediate gratification. And it requires no sacrifice and no preparation. A good idea may sound something like this. Hey, let's go get a milkshake. Uh, all you got to do is eat it, right? You just pour it straight down your throat. I mean, that's it. There's no, you don't have to plan it, really. You don't have to prepare. That's a good idea. It's not a God dream, though. For a good idea, you don't have to change. You don't have to give. You don't have to do. You don't have to become. You just jump in and consume. A good idea is short-term. A God dream is long-term. A good idea is usually about us. A God dream is about making an eternal impact in the people around us. So a, a God dream will, be, will fill your life with God's purposes. Number three, God dreams require faith. If you go past the story... Hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years into the future. Noah's been dead forever. And you go all the way to Hebrews chapter 11. In the New Testament, we see Noah again. Because the person who wrote Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit to say, these are what people of faith look like. In verse 7 said, by faith, Noah... When he warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Now, I don't know if, if you and I can adequately understand how difficult it was for Noah to build that giant boat when it had never rained on the earth. Can you imagine people coming by and saying, what, do you, what is that? What are you doing? By the way, if our records are right, that boat was built about 1,000 miles inland. That, that's a, if you want to know the number one way to look insane, build you a, a Titanic you know, in Kansas City. See what happens. This guy's building this giant boat inland, and there had to be days that he woke up and said, now, now you want me to do what? Say that again. Because water's going to fall from the sky. Nobody who's ever lived on earth has ever seen that because it's never happened. And I'm so supposed to believe that not only is water going to fall from the sky, so much of it's going to fall from the sky, it's not going to stop, and it's going to flood the whole planet. And so enough water, like I don't even live close to the ocean. I've never even seen a seagull. And somehow the water's going to come up to here and move the boat around? Can you imagine how difficult this was? But that faith drove him to take the slow, long journey of building a boat that would hold two of every animal on earth and his family. There had to be days that that just didn't sound right. But once you kind of take that step, you're not going back. What do you do, turn it into a gift shop? You know, if you decide not to follow through with it, what do you do with it? I remember when, when God spoke to me when I was a teenager and called me to be a pastor. When I first got that impression, my first reaction was panic. Because I thought, I, I'm, I, I, I've never, that, that thoughts never crossed my mind. I don't want to do anything like that. I backed up. I wrestled with that call for months. There were no leaders in my family. No one in my family had ever been a public speaker. My family was uneducated and very dysfunctional. And and I don't know if you can understand how hard it was for me to accept God's dream for my life to be a pastor. It could not have been more different than the family culture that I was raised in. But there came a time when I had to either believe God or not. There came a time, there came a line, there came a spot, there came a day, there came a moment where I said, either I'm going to say yes to him or I'm going to say no to him. Either I'm going to follow this dream God's given me or I'm going to do my own thing. And believe me, I thought about it. There were days it was very attractive. For months and months, I wrestled with this. And I, I think there's some of you here this morning. You know God's dream, but you're afraid. Or or you're distracted. Or you've gotten discouraged. And you've kind of backed up. And I just want to ask you this question. If you're not going to follow the dream that God's given you this year, when will you? Because there kind of comes a line. There comes a moment. There comes a point of decision. That you've got to say, I'm kind of stepping off a cliff here. And I'm either going to have to believe God or not. Either God's god and he's going to come through or I'm going to fail or I'm going to hide and run away from it. The verse right before Hebrews 11:7, no shock, is 11:6. <laughs> but what it says is incredible. And without faith It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. Watch this. And He is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him. Is it possible that there are some of you this morning who have all the ingredients you need? All the pieces are in place. You just got to mix a little faith with it. It's time to believe, it's time to step, it's time to act. I'll tell you my favorite part of that whole verse. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Can I tell you something? If I had it to do all over again, I would do it all over again the same way. You know why? He has rewarded me. He is a rewarder. It's worth it. And it actually frustrates me, or it doesn't anymore, but there were times in my life it frustrates me that I was ever afraid. What am I afraid of? The rewards of God? Oh, that's terrible. What an awful thing to be rewarded by God. How miserable. Number four, God dreams require trust. Genesis 7, 24, the waters, we went to the beginning, to the end, past the end, now we're going to go to the middle. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. Noah did not hear from God for 150 days. Can you imagine floating around in that boat? I got caught in Lake Pontchartrain once in a little shrimp boat in a storm. And we were out there hours and I thought I was done with boats in the water forever. 150 days? You don't see a tree. You don't see a plant. You don't see land. You don't see anything but water on the horizon. And God is not talking. God's dream for you is going to require some trust. Because there's going to be times nothing's happening. God will say nothing new to you. No more direction. No more instruction. You'll begin to wonder, did I make all this up? Did he mean what he said? And some of you have been waiting on God. And, you, and just because a new year starts, it hasn't changed anything for you. And you're still wondering, when? And what I would say to you is, what's the last thing God told you? God's dream for your life may seem like it's underwater, just drowning in the present circumstances. But I want to move from chapter 7 to chapter 8, verse 1. Look at this. But, here's another one. God remembered Noah and all the animals and the livestock with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Maybe God hasn't acted in your life in a long time. Maybe you haven't heard from him in a long time, but you can rest assured of this. You will hear from him again. I guarantee it. I've walked with God long enough to realize, although some seasons are long, Things never stay the same. God will act. He he sometimes takes longer than we think He should. But He will act and He will speak and He will move and He will change things. And your goal for now, while you're trusting, is to walk with Him, wait on Him, lean in on Him. Trust Him. It's less about what you do and more about who you become. Because God just might be waiting because He's turning you into the kind of dreamer that'll fit the dream that He's made for your life. You never know what He's up to. But you draw near to Him and continue to believe the last thing He told you. This morning as we... um, Move to prayer. Some of you today are, are, you know what God's dream is. But if you're completely honest, fear and distraction or maybe discouragement has held you back. God's word to you today is, take a step of faith. Believe him. Maybe you're here today and you say, I have no idea (laughs) what God's dream is for my life. It's not clear to me at all. I have ideas. I know I'm passionate about some things, but I need clarity. God's word for you today is, lean in on Him. If God's word to Kingwood Church is, it's time to dream again, then God's word to you is, it's time to dream again. Which means that God's going to begin to clarify those, those thoughts. Maybe you're here and you say, I, I just need my dream to be renewed it's kind of gotten dusty. I, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. But I really need God to help me be patient and trust Him and wait on His time. I need, uh, you and I don't wait on God well. We don't, right? We need His help. To even wait right. But I got good news for you. The word of the Lord to you is. He's an ever present help. In time of trouble. And he will help you wait. A fruit of the Holy Spirit. Is patience. And he will help you wait. And he will come through. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask every, everyone. to If you just close your eyes. And I want to ask our prayer team if you would come and prepare. The Holy Spirit is moving today and He's talking and speaking. There's no no push, there's no pressure, but there's an invitation. God wants to invite you. He wants to invite you to engage Him again at at the point of His dreams over your life if you're here this morning and you say you know i i have some idea i i know some right things to do but if i'm honest fear or distraction or discouragement has been holding me back with every eye closed in the room would you just lift your hand and say would you pray for me today and if, if i want this service god's been speaking to me and i know i know i'm i know i'm hesitating i know i've held back would you pray for me that God's going to give me faith today? I'm going to take a step of faith. Would you just lift your hand and say, Pray for me today? Pray for me today. Yep, yeah, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you. The balcony, yep, I see your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the back, thank you. Just lift your hand and say, Man, that's me. I, I don't, I don't want to miss God's dream because I've given in to fear or I've become discouraged or I'm overwhelmed. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I just need clarity. I I have feelings and ideas, but I really want to know what God's direction is either for this season or maybe for the long view. Would you just lift your hand and say, man, I want to ask God today for direction. Would you lift your hand? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Many, many hands. Yes. Yes. I just want direction maybe you're here today and you say i'm in the middle of waiting like i i have a direction i have the idea i think i know where i'm supposed to go what's going to happen but if i'm honest i'm the circumstances look like they're drowning out the dream god gave me and i just don't know when i'm i'm stuck waiting right now is how it feels would you just say would, would you pray for me today that i'll trust god how many of you would say that i i, I need I need to trust God. Yeah, thank you. I need to trust God today. Yes. yep. I need to trust God today. Here's here's what I want to do with every eye closed. If you lifted your hand, what I want to ask you to do in a moment is just come and let our prayer team pray for you. I believe prayer changes things. That's why we pray. That's why we spend so much time praying because prayer changes things when nothing else will. And if you lifted your hand for any of those reasons, In just a minute, I want you to come and say, would you just pray that God would um, strengthen my faith? Or would you pray that God would help me to trust Him? Maybe this this move today is a step of faith. And as you come, I want you to just say, God, I step toward you. Lord, I I take a step of faith. I'm moving toward you now because I want to walk with you. I want to lean in on you today. Maybe you're here and you're stalled out. You say, God, help me. Help me wait and bring the answer. Change this season. If you lifted your hand this morning as the worship team begins to sing, I want you to come and find one of the prayer team and say, would you just pray for me? There were were several dozen people across this room. Would you just come right now? and, And let the Holy Spirit encourage you. Today's a day of encouragement and strength and dreaming again and stirring and faith and belief and trust. Lord we love you today and I ask you right now to move supernaturally change our hearts and change our minds God I believe
1: I believe
0: in you